Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I am Dave. And then from the get-go, um, because this is the debate wrap-up, uh, we have uh, Travis Herenic, uh not in the studio this time, but we got him on the phone. Travis, how you doing this evening? Good. How are you guys? Oh, oh we're man. good, especially now that uh, we've got your voice on this uh, line now. <laughs> Hey, thanks for sending me that picture today, by the way. I'm glad that you... Did you win that, like, packet? No, that's uh, when we went out to the Founders Conference. Uh, talked to uh, Alex Cogman. He's uh, one of the leaders of the uh, of the uh, ABW missionary uh, gotcha. group. And uh, so I signed up for that, and he sent it to me. So I'm excited about that. So yeah. you just, like, signed up, and they sent it to you because they like you? You didn't have to pay anything for it? Are you there? See, that's one reason yeah. why I'm making the small talk. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Yeah, we might have to, uh, we'll have to talk to Travis maybe on another time. Yeah, so we and we'll, to, well, I'm just going to reach out to Travis him on the phone. Hear, I'm yeah. just going to reach out to him on the phone. Yeah, we'll deal with uh, yeah. some of the things anyway. So yeah, awesome. Uh, you know, to God be the glory even in our um, issues. So, oops. Oh, there you go. I've got him here. Yeah. All right. We'll just we'll tell him. Hello, sir. Hey, technical difficulties. That's why we were making the small talk. It's always good to to get comfortable when we're talking and and know that we can hear. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, I can hear awesome, you Awesome, man. Good, good, good. Well, I'm just holding my phone right up to the speaker. And uh, so we just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of give some of your reflections and your thoughts on the debate. Because what we're going to do is we're going to re- replay some of Nathan Rager's thoughts and reflections and kind of work mm -hmm. through them. And then we're going to play through a few different parts from the debate and kind of uh, give what we believe is an analysis of some things during the debate. So if you would like, give us a few minutes to hear kind of your thoughts on the debate and uh, what you thought went well, what you didn't think went well, and kind of uh, how you felt you did. All right. Well, uh, don't be too hard on me when you guys recap. Okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I... I First and foremost, thank you guys again for, for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to do a debate. That was the first time I've ever done any kind of structured, formal debate. Um, it was tough. Uh, it was very difficult on the way home. I was I was just exhausted uh, being on a time crunch. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, I may have mentioned to you since then was, uh, you know, King James onlyism and the controversy there is a just huge huge topic there's so many different areas that we can discuss uh, issues there and so in all reality coming prepared to to discuss the topic you know uh out of out of the vast majority you know a uh, group of things we could talk about i may have been prepared to discuss five to ten percent of that and we probably only discussed you know ten percent of what i came prepared to discuss so uh, we barely touched on on a lot of things but i think we we covered some some good stuff uh nonetheless um knowing where uh mr ranger was was uh going to go which direction he was want to discuss was uh, of course you know you can't know that until you're there um but i think uh, i think we had some some good points uh mr ranger was uh, uh very uh, 
I think, polite, and uh, I enjoyed the discussion. Um, I had a few a uh, few things that uh, that came up in, in, in conversation uh, with him during the debate um, that I, I I think uh, we would love to have the opportunity to discuss further. Um, one of those things, I, I think, what we found is at the end of the debate, uh, we kind of got to the the point that almost all King James onlyists are going to stand on. Uh, finally, in his closing statements, he said, "You know, I've got to take it on faith." that the King James translators did all this right. Um, And so I I think that that kind of establishes, he he finally admitted his presupposition there Mm -hmm. that the King James is authoritative because it's authoritative. Um, So, so we kind of got to the root of the problem there. Um, You know, we didn't get to discuss that further. We didn't get to elaborate further, but I was, I was glad that he was, he was able to embrace that and, and uh, see that for what it is. Um, I did notice um, in our open discussion, um, I don't recall exactly how he said it, but there was a point made uh, where he said he didn't have to trust the tra- translator, didn't have to rely on the translator on that, but then in his closing statements, turned around and said he had to rely on them. So uh, yeah. I-, I thought that was obviously contradictory in that. Um, I felt like there were some areas I could have responded better, um, where I was a little caught up guard again, like I said, in my first debate. Um, and so. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he had some good questions for me. He challenged me on some things uh, to think through uh, better ways to respond to those. So, so it was good. I enjoyed it. Brother, thank you yeah. so much. I think you did an excellent job representing the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. Yes. And I felt like you really, again, allowed us to have a really good representative who holds a position that they can defend yeah. and do so in the public square. So, brother, thank you so much. We... Uh, honestly, there's not a whole lot of things that I'm going to say that I feel like you feel like you could have done better. I thought you did an exceptional job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to listen to some of our thoughts on how we'd respond to some of Rager's things, you'll probably get more of us responding to his analysis of the debate more than yeah. anything. Yeah. So, uh, and also, we're announcing winners of books today. Yes, so uh, are. you are always encouraged to uh, to to uh, check in with us. But brother, thank you so much. We really appreciated you coming on and maybe and there'll again, be another yeah, debate in the yesterday because Taggart it was represented with the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network at the Green County Baptist Associational Meeting. So we want to thank the GCBA for allowing us to come another year. And uh, Travis got to join me um, and talking with the people there. Um, so thank you again for your travels and coming down and hanging out with me yesterday. Definitely. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Hey. Yeah, I'll tune in and listen to the show. All right, man. Bye. Bye. All right, so like uh, Dave said, let's uh, get this out of the way before we dig into this thing. But uh, Dave, who, because uh, we, we got okay, the winners, so yes. we've got books. We've okay, got did books, you write got... down the names that I, was, I was giving them to you? No, I wasn't. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so the yeah. Facebook winner is Amanda Browning. Amanda Browning. So you she get... won the first yeah, uh, so of the Facebook. A, you get to show me why. Yes. And, and then um, on Twitter, we got a guy named Wild Card, Wild Carl, Wild, well, I can't even wild card charles so i will be contacting you on twitter to get your address and ship you another show me why and after the show we will announce the winner of the cast box and mm-hmm. then was there another There's cast box and youtube and then we will announce the winner of the youtube we just got to double check on those so amanda yeah. browning gets it on facebook and the twitter is wild card charles so, and that is a copy of yeah. show me why and amanda yeah. i'm not going to mail it to you 
I am going to bring it to you at church. That's right. So I'm glad. Thank you guys so much for inviting folks to like and share. Uh, that was awesome. And we will have some other book giveaways in the next few months. So yeah. with that said, right. here's That's kind of the idea. Uh, again, we want to encourage you to check in when it comes to the debate that we're doing on masonry that's coming up there's a poll we had amazing responses to the poll and so adam is going to be getting ready for brandon mullins that'll be a great debate Mm -hmm. and then while we have not created the poster there will be a debate i'm going to make sure i get my opponent's name correctly on inerrancy but phil kalberg and i will debate on december 2nd Either here live on the show or we will be locations somewhere. We haven't got all that worked out, but we'll be debating the doctrine of inerrancy. And so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Phil is an independent scholar. He has a master's degree in philosophy and has um, some publications and also has a podcast of his own. So it should be another fun debate. And that's been one of the cool things we've got to do this year. So with that said... The next let's, place we're going is where we're going to be the rest of the day. Again. So, yeah, last week we had an awesome debate. Again, thankful for the decorum between the two opponents, that they kept it um, cut and dry to the points that they wanted to make, um, that they kept it at least, you know, even though in their disagreement you didn't see them get heated at each other um, to where they were attacking each other verbally and tone and everything. So everything uh, went really smoothly. We got to see, um, you know, let them expose what they believe and champion why they believe it. And I think even though to me in the debate, um, it wasn't conclusive on the uh, KJV only side. Uh, It's the same kind of stuff I've been hearing for a long time. So really didn't uh, champion their side. um, No, I didn't feel like the argument moved forward at all. I I felt like it circles right back to the exact same spot. Yeah. And again, Rager put it really clearly. He said, well, uh, on faith, on faith. Yeah. So even then, we don't get a clear definition of what King James Version of the Bible he uses, and I will be very sincere about that. He did seem to say that he, or indicate that it was a 16, or excuse me, the 17, yeah, Um, the Blaney revision of the Bible. And that was because um, from the 1611, it got perfected by the translators and the committees and all that kind of stuff between 1611 and then, and then so he could say that he has the inerrant... Um, English translation, the perfect English translation, um, and so that was his kind of case, um, which you know it might be it might be a little bit different than other people's, but it still doesn't solve any of the problems. Well, even again, if he's in the sixteen or the seventeen sixty nine Blaney revision, we don't know if he's Cambridge or Oxford. He never told us, yeah. and there are differences. Yes, there are differences. I'm not exaggerating. It's not many, but there are some differences. So yeah. with that said, let's go yeah. and unpack this debate. Yeah, and so uh, and, well, what, uh, his analysis of the debate. Yeah, which so I think what, is what happened is that the debate happened, and he got to it first to take our debate and then do whatever he wanted to with it. Um, he called it a fact-checking video, and so um, he offered some some little beginning remarks, and then he gets into the debate where he sort of splices some images in to fact-check. There was not many fact-checks really. in his deal, by yeah. the way. So if yeah. you go in his page and watch his revision or his fact check, you're going to see about three different graphics, maybe four at most five. And you'll see about the same ones and they're not really fact checking. Actually, it's an ad hominem against James White. Yeah. Which yeah. that's the one that shows up the most. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, right, we're going to get start. into this video. Let's uh, kind of get with his opening sentiments here. And we're paying at 1.5, 1. 1. right? Yes. All right. It's loading. 
Oh man, loading. See, That's this is what night. happens. I participated in a debate uh, with the Tag Your It podcast out of Springfield, Missouri. Uh, we had a real spirited debate. I'm always excited for a chance to uh, defend the King James Bible, the preserved Word of God in the English language, and to affirm that position. Uh, there's so much out there uh, among the theological community that say that the King James only people are afraid to defend our position. And you know what, Haas? I'm not hiding. I'm not running away. I'm not going anywhere. Jesus. And died let me just say real quick, I, I appreciate that he was yeah. not afraid. And I, I think it's really important. There are individuals that do not debate and will not debate. It yeah. is very clear. Tex Mars will not debate James White. Gail Ripplinger will not debate anybody. Um, that's just straight up. That is a factual statement. When individuals like Gail, uh, excuse me, like Peter Ruckman have had opportunities to put forward, they don't even do it anymore. They will not publicly debate it. No, Mr. Rager, uh, I want to give him complete due credit. He was willing to put his position forward. Mm -hmm. A lot of KJV onlyists will not. And yeah. so we, again, would open up the floor to any KJVist who would like to debate this topic. We want to make sure if you know someone who attends a KJV-only church, if you're a KJV-only advocate, we'd love to debate you on this topic. Yeah. We have an open, open challenge to any open of you. Open invitation to come on tag. Well, here we go. The saints died to, to help be a part of the process to preserve the Word of God. I'm not going to mm -hmm. hide from the Word of God. My Bible says, always be ready to give an account for the joy that is within you. Pause it right so there. That's what yeah. I did. So does our Bible. Yeah, so yeah, so whenever I open up a CSB, whenever I open up a ESV, we get that same thing based on the manuscript edition that we have. So the critical text, whatever they had back in the day, totally agrees. And so again, you know, if we're gonna utilize um, any of this for King James onlyism, it's this is all irrelevant to the actual King James itself. There was one part of the debate that I was really not looking forward to, and it turned out to be uh, the really least joyous part of the debate, which was cross-examination. There's no way you can really prepare for cross-examination because you don't know where they're going to go, especially when you're dealing with something as big as a topic as the Bible. And uh, and I was telling the men in my church that uh, there was really no way to prepare for it, but I just knew that they were going to strain at 10,000 gnats. Um, yeah. Go so, for it. You so, said yeah, it. <laughs> so for, yeah, for one, uh, there's no way to prepare. So he, like, what he's doing here is trying to set you up emotionally. I wasn't able to prepare for this. So if anything sounds weird and I was a little off, just glance over it. But and notice so, that just before that, he yeah. said, always be ready to give an yeah. answer for the hope that lies within yeah, you. For the joy. So, I mean, we yeah, got to get really KJV here yeah, for sorry. him. But the, but the whole thing is, is in that same statement that same verse in that same book we're supposed to what prepare to make it always defense. be prepared so we're supposed yeah. to be prepared at all times so you know what should have he done he should have looked at his case taken the time going like what are possible objections um to what i'm about to say that you know are known from past debates and and history of this debate and prepare for those because more than likely travis might have used those same things, it's what I'm utilizing um, whenever I'm getting ready to do this uh, Freemasonry debate, is to look at my case and go, what are the possible objections so that I'm ready? And so, uh, you know, instead of playing uh, sort of a, uh, maybe, uh, I don't want to use the word victim card here, um, but really, in a way, it's it plays on that sort of emotion. To so Sunny Hernandez just, is ready know. to debate Mr. Rager on the Tag Your It podcast. All right, we'll get Sunny <laughs> Hernandez on here. Hey, just wanted to throw that, sorry. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, so, you know, just because, you know, I just want to let you guys know whenever he makes this sort of claim, um, truth is the truth, and it doesn't matter what you feel or think about it. If you weren't prepared and you said non-truth, then 
whatever he said, he needs to repent of if he's wrong publicly, since it was a public debate. While they were going to swallow three gigantic camels, that being the Gnostic pagan origins of the critical texts, the Roman Catholic involvement and influence over the modern Bible perversions, and then the softening against uh, homosexuality and being effeminate. Yeah, and, and these are things that are just, he doesn't, he, if you, when you watch the rest of the response video, he only is attacking ad hominem like, he's actually not proving anything, and so we got to understand that the King James Bible, um, as Travis pointed out in the debate, had the Apocrypha. Yes. That is uh, very Catholic of that community. And he never Bible. tried to defend that, by the way. Yeah. So, so I mean, here's we, the we problem talk about again. Tokoku fallacies all the time that, well, you did too, sort of thing. You know, it's, it's this uh, Adam and Eve and Satan all blaming each other in the garden type argumentation is what he is going to do here. But he never provides, you know, just because uh, Allen shook the hand of the Pope, that's got Catholicism risen, you know, Catholicism written all over the critical text. But that's a, but again, that's a double standard because yeah. we know that he would not allow any babies to be baptized in his church, yeah. right? He has dismissed, as KJV onlyists always do, any of the uh, evidence that those who worked on the translation committee were Anglicans. Yeah. Also, again, if you want to hold that all the way through, Erasmus was a Catholic. Yeah. Priest. Further, if you really have problems, uh, you would also see Stephanus, Beza. They had also connections with Calvinism, with Protestantism, and so uh, it's uh, yeah, really important. He was a he was a Catholic priest, right? But he was against Catholicism, so he had an agenda. So maybe he changed the text. I mean, we can argue and go into <laughs> yeah conspiracy again. All, all those day, consi the conspiracy truth? theories are crazy. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Just as. I could have predicted. There were a lot of gotcha questions involved in the cross. That's where I, I want to make that. sure we Something stop on. right there, man. Again, I, I think this is really important. So I'm just going to run through the list of the questions mm -hmm. because I think that that is, again, uh, that's fallacious to make that statement. And it is false. I don't think that that is true. We are against gotcha moments. We are against setup moments. These are straightforward. In fact, Travis made it as easy as possible to not have a gotcha moment. Mm -hmm. He asked, is the KJV inspired? Is the KJV inerrant? Do you consider the KJV to be superior to the manuscripts that we have now available? Those are simple yes, no questions. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Or again, is the KJV inspired for a KJV onlyist? Yes. Is the KJV inerrant for a KJV onlyist? Yes. Is do you consider the KJV to be superior? Yes, you do. Again, what edition of the KJV do you hold to as the authoritative word of God? That's a simple question. Again, we actually still don't even know. He says Blaney revision 1689. Problem with that. Oxford or Cambridge? He doesn't tell us. Oh wait, there's another problem with that. Travis did an excellent job providing the fact that the Apocrypha was not removed until like the 1880s from the King James Version of the Bible. So mm -hmm. then do you accept the revisions after that where they removed it? None of this is specified by him ever. There's a problem with that. You see, mm -hmm. when you say that it's the KJV and then you say what version, there's a problem because it has been changed. It has been altered. You don't alter a perfect document. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So again, uh, sorry. Let me just jump back on this horse. I'm sorry. <laughs> no gotcha questions. Um, no. If you'd like a copy of those questions, uh, I would just tell you to watch the yeah. debate. And that is a terrible analysis. You know, just to feel out, you know, where is Major Mister Rager? Because 
as Travis stated, he understands that there is a spectrum from the harmless aesthetic. I grew up with it. This is how I memorized scripture. And that's the only one I'm going to use to the salvific issue where they make the, the uh, King James and the utilizing of its, uh, you know, basically it's almost like magic words um, that you speak in English this certain way, the gospel, and it's powerful only in that way <clears throat> over against the other text and the way to do things. Um, so he's going, I'm trying to feel you out. I'm not trying to get you. I'm trying to get you. Like I'm trying to know you. And so, you know, there, they weren't in any gotcha questions. You know, if you look at the demeanor the whole time, the way that the, uh, the debate worked out, there was no um, malice um, in this at all. Yeah, and Travis does an excellent job of reminding us that Erasmus uh, firmly supported Catholicism simply because he also made it very clear that uh, he was against Catholicism because he debates, or excuse me, he was for Catholicism because he debates Luther about the... Uh, about the mass. So, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and hit, yeah, uh, hit play, play on this. Adam's got to step out for a second. Really had nothing to do with the content at hand, and they were using big theological terminology uh, to try to discredit me as a student of the Bible. As a okay, first of all, I want to make sure that it's really clear. We never have tried to discredit Mr. Rager. We would never dare discredit Mr. Rager. It is really, really important, and I would um, make sure that it is known that Mr. Rager is someone that we value. We don't think anything less of Mr. Rager. We don't have a problem with him. If we thought that he was somehow unable or inept, we wouldn't have invited him on to debate. We wouldn't have tried to give him a fair stage. But it's really important. If you're going to be debating theological topics, you need to have a grasp of theological language. Yes, there are multiple theological terms. There are people that are great pastors that don't deal with the idea of the uh, hypostatic union. Maybe they'd say, well, I don't know what that means. But friends, if you're going to be debating serious theological topics, where if you're going to attack the Alexandrian text, because that's exactly what he did, he attacked the Alexandrian text. He said nothing came good out of Alexandria. Well, Travis did an exceptional job of proving that that was simply fallacious. That was a problem. First of all, if you want to say that, when you go to the Nicene Creed, which again, we, when we have the first council of the church, there was, again, a scholar from Alexandria who comes and he defends the text i'm yeah. sorry and then um, also it's just one of those things he's going to say that he's against theological language but i'm going to say that he probably likes the word trinity and, which is a foundational um understanding a foundational issue um of our faith of knowing who god is and we explain it by using the word the trinity so i hope he never i hope he's consistent with this and never mentioning the trinity and only just uh, having to spell out what that means every time he says so you know, whenever he's talking about the Trinity. So, you know, this is just one of those things that we're not trying to discredit him. Um, we have learned systematically uh, things, you know, it's not just reading the Bible, but it's getting into it, um, understanding biblical theology, understanding systematic theology, and all these kind of things. And so, yeah, so what, what we do in this situation is, um, you know, we need to be, if we're going to be brothers in Christ, we need to deal with each other reconciliably. And so, yes, the intelligent folks need to accommodate those that haven't gotten into the study and not treat them as less of people because they don't know the words, which is something that we would never do. But then likewise, the, the other people need to be like, well, this is the way they talk. If I have a question about that word, I can humbly ask, I don't know what that means. Can you tell me? And then what do you get? You get mutual edification to strengthen 
strengthen the church. And so basically you can't play this card, um, Nathan. I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way, and I hope that we never put off that air um, towards you, which I don't think we, we did. Well, and excellent. I just want to make sure that we put this very, very clear. The hypostatic union is critical. Council of Carthage is where that um, position is defended, 381. And again, Travis made sure to provide the scholar who defended the doctrine of the hypostatic union, which Rager agrees to, which is that Jesus Christ is truly God, truly man. That is one of the foundational positions of, again, all um, orthodox theology, all orthodox Christianity. It's not some type of a buzz term. And Travis even tried to explain the concept to him, not to try to fool him. If mm -hmm. Travis was going to try to fool him or to gotcha him, he'd say, well, you should know. No, he simply was very clear and said, well, here's what it is. And mm -hmm. so, no, there was no uh, theological chicanery and one-upsmanship yeah. trying to, to be done there. Preacher, as a theologian, and just quite honestly, I'm not interested in terms like tetragrammaton, bema C, hyperstatic union. I mean, really, those are weird. Okay, terms. I don't like, think that Travis ever used bema C yeah. or tetragrammaton. Yeah, I Travis, uh, I've got your yeah. case in front of me. I don't think that you ever used that, but if you did use bema C or uh, the tetragrammaton, which again, great words yeah. have great but meaning. If you notice, though, these are all again. Whenever you're dealing with the King, King James only, is they're talking about externals. They're always talking about and crying out against aesthetic issues. And so he's being consistent with his position on going, I don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like the way that's worded. And so if we want to deliver an argument, it's just the fact that you don't like things. And so that's the only reason why you're arguing. And so instead of being reconcilial, Oh, you're causing division. You're causing dissension between people. You are you're letting something exist that shouldn't exist between us. We should be known in our diversity as you know scholars or laymen as far as you know the words we use and all that kind of stuff. But we should not let that divide us. And you be like, I hate it when you do that. I'm not interested in that. Um, you should be like, well, you know, it's not my taste. But you know what? I'm glad that this person knows this. I'm glad that this person does this. And so, really, we see how um, much dissension is caused over this issue yeah. um, in the action. So, this is the fruit um, that we see. And this so, is yeah, he, he yeah. then ad hominems people that talk about, uh, you know, in theological languages, you know, that's the reason why we're doing it is to and be that's, like the Power Rangers. That's and that's to devalue Again, what we're, was done. Again, we're not doing this to wow the crowd. We're not trying to be Pharisees going, look at me, look at my big words. It's just whenever we study, we pick up language. Whenever we pick up language, it becomes a part of our vernacular. That's just the way language has worked over time. And, you know, why is Luke, why is his Greek more eloquent than others because different people have different gifts and we know um, in Ephesians that who gave those gifts to men Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven so we should celebrate the gifts instead of making fun of each other like this so it's so with Cyril of Alexandria who defended the hypostatic right. union and of course Athanasius defended the doctrine of the Trinity yeah. sorry just didn't want to leave those out there <laughs> oh, 
Now, in the cross-examination, there was one place in which it was very easily predictable where they would go, uh, which is 1 John 5, 7, one of the strongest Bible verses in defense of the Trinity. That's no, false, not a Bible verse. Again, to say that it's a Bible verse, right, we have to have evidence of it in the ancient text. We do not have it in anything but Latin. This is well known. Bart Ehrman contends mm. the same thing, and he's not even a believer. Like, why is he yeah. going to uh, say that something is there that's not there? It's not there. Nobody seriously says that it's there. Um, again, that idea that the Kamiya Yohanian, which is how it's referred to by scholars, by the yeah, way, is, is not there. There is no one who can produce. In fact, if you know the history, what Erasmus wanted to do, he wanted to include that. But guess what? He did not have access to a Greek manuscript. That's why it's not included in and, yeah, anywhere. And it was only in the King James only the King James Version because other people wanted it. And let me turn it, let me just turn this yeah. real quick on its head because if you're going to say that the King James Version of the Bible uh, removes things like this, I think one of the most one of the most solid arguments that you can make for the Trinity uh, that is has nothing to do with the Granville Sharp construction, but what clearly demonstrates the deity of Christ in a powerful way, which again, the deity of Christ is incredibly linked to the doctrine of the Trinity, is Jude chapter, or of course there's only one chapter in Jude, Jude 5, where it says, Jesus who saved a people out of Egypt afterward destroyed mm -hmm. those who did not believe. Now, if you're going to say that that the King James Version of the Bible deletes verses. It's excuse me that other that other versions delete verses. Why does the King James Version delete that? I believe that is one of the strongest claims to the deity of Christ. One of the strongest claims to the eternal existence of mm -hmm. Jesus as God. Because again, it's Yahweh who led them out, and that is there very clearly. The King James Version has deleted that. Mm -hmm. Again, not equal standards applied. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's that's fine. And then also we got to recognize that whenever you do theology, whenever you read the Bible, it's a cohesive whole, and we are not limited to one-verse issues. So so what if the comma, Yohanniam, if we see that in the text tradition that is not supposed to be there, that it was an addition, guess what? I'm going to want to know that, hey, that wasn't actually originally there, um, so I should not find that authoritative. Thank you, scholarship. You know, that's 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 the thing. And then, okay, so I'm not scrambling around, you know, Jesus declares himself God and people pick up stones to throw it at him because of blasphemy. That's not calling himself God. That's not talking about deity at all. So it's, the cool thing is we have a systematic understanding of the scriptures. Um, so we're not linked to, that's the freedom we have. We're not linked to just a one verse proof texts. The word and the Holy Ghost. And the textual critics uh, they they don't think that that belongs in there because no, they're not historians remove that and historians don't remove it it was added later and here's one thing that I yeah. think we never really got into and I think that this is something that should have gotten into just a little bit no, nothing against uh, uh, Travis at all but this is one thing that I think is really important when you look at manuscripts right mm -hmm. when you look at ancient manuscripts and again I'm not saying this as someone who's done that but I am saying this as as one who has dealt with professors who have, when you look at ancient manuscripts, one thing you have to remember is that there was no way to put footnotes or no way to put commentary. Now, it would be very, very likely that a scribe at one point read that verse and said, ah, they're talking about that there is three in one. There are three gods in one. And they put that in, but there was no proper way to designate 
In addition, further, a great place for that, and this is something that came up in the debate, at least I yeah. tried to get it, was in John chapter 5. And I'm going to jump over to John chapter 5, and I want to jump back to Acts chapter, actually, I want to go to Acts chapter 7, or 8, because this is a place where uh, tr uh, where Rager tried to trip up Travis in the yeah. debate. He said, well, wh why does why do the new versions delete what it says in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 7? And Philip said, if you believe... With all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, here's something that I think is really important. That's not a verse found in ancient manuscripts. It's moved to the bottom of the ESV, of the mm -hmm. NASB. I think it's in uh, italics in the NIV. Now, here's why that that's important. What is probably noted at some point is a later scribe got this and said, well, I've heard through oral tradition that this was there. And maybe they put it in as an aside, or they were putting, well, here's what it means when that happens, and they didn't have a proper way to designate that. We can trace back through ancient manuscripts traditions. We can get pretty close to when that first showed up, right? Um, it is something that was not removed. It was added. It was a textual amendation that scholars have realized now existed. And so here's the thing. The tenacity of the text is there. Another great place is John chapter 5. And again, it was my question in the debate to Brother Rager uh, what was going on here. Again, I was just... I was trying to be honest, right, about this when, when I when I put forward my question. Uh, if you go to John chapter 5, you'll see here where Jesus is, of course, um, healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. In uh, John chapter 5, and just jumping down here to the text, where Jesus is talking with the man at the pool of Bethesda. If you have an ESV, if you have a uh, NASB, you notice that there's a break in verses 3 to 4. And if you jump down to the bottom, a lot of times you'll see it. Um, but basically what happens there is it says, and I'm just going to go ahead and read this. Now there was, starting at verse 2, in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. Interesting enough, you can actually find pictures of the uh, ruins here that still exist around this colonnade. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And then it jumps to verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid. Now, here's what it does in verse 4. It actually demonstrates right here, in a lot of these, it'll share with you what's going on. In fact, it kind of cuts off verse 3, uh, and it says this, Waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease they had. Now, that is an explanation as to why people were waiting at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. What has happened is some scholar knew that that's why people waited there. And so as they copied the manuscript, they maybe put in some type of a footnote or some type of a parenthetical. Here's why people waited. Now, that was not that didn't exist in the early manuscripts. Yeah. And it is highly likely that someone was trying to give a Again, trying to be helpful, adding a extra, here's why they did that to other readers. There was no um, there was no agreed upon manner by which to do that. Yeah. So we have simply, because we have better manuscripts, more ancient manuscripts, we can see when those textual emendations came in. 
Yeah. Again, it was not because a scribe was wanting to change God's word. Actually, they were most likely trying to add an explanation. Again, the majority of the New Testament is copied by untrained scribes. The Old Testament actually is copied by trained scribes, and there was a group of scribes. That was their job. In the New Testament, that's not happening. The way that God decided to preserve his word and to make the gospel spread throughout the entire world was that untrained people would get copies of the manuscripts, and they would make copies, Yeah. right? And so, again, you might have pieces of John's gospel, but not John's full gospel because you didn't have enough time. Or maybe you just wanted to copy your favorite part, yeah. right? And then while you were huddled under the light of a candle and the Romans were trying to kill you and your family, you were making a copy as quick as you could so that you could have a copy of God's yeah. word. So when you ran from the Romans, they couldn't grab the full manuscript, right? Yeah. So, sorry, I'm not trying to right. at all, like... Uh, monopolize the time oh, there. no 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 so, because it's, it's just important things about yeah. the debate because it's information you know there's a might have been a lot of people that have watched this that have no clue what this yeah. debate's about and you know since it really didn't get into textual issues there are textual things that need to be talked about and it, it did bother me that it was brought up as uh whatever they call it the the coma johanna or whatever they call it i i, I just call it first john five seven that's fine the Bible calls it you're first cool john five seven i mean coma johanna or whatever it is i mean I don't know. It sounds like Lola. She was a showgirl. Again, this is all just showing more ad hominems about what is going on. If you listen to Travis, a very serious discussion. And we are in a great time to be alive for the King James Only Movement. It was just this year uh, that Pastor Stephen Anderson and uh, Reformed Baptist Pastor Dane Johansson together went over to Cyprus and they did soul winning uh, where they were giving people the Koine Greek Textus Receptus. Uh, there were teenagers, tattoo artists, people who... Uh, Speak Greek what Texas Receptus were they giving? Again, I, again, yeah. I, I just want to know what version of Erasmus's. Yeah, and so Greek you know, this is one of those things. Giving? I want I want to tell you guys to get on YouTube and talk and 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 uh, search for Stephen Anderson speaking Greek. And you what what's going to happen is you're going to find this video that he's talking about. You're going to watch it. You're going to watch a bunch of other Stephen Anderson stuff, and you're going to find out that this guy Nathan Rager has no original case. He is repeating what the whole like so it is that you know they're they're repeating the echo chamber in a way in the echo chamber that exists within Christendom um, and he puts forward nothing new stuff that you know he's against James White and he wants to debate James White but he's putting nothing new that James White hasn't already dealt with on the on in in debates in his book and all that kind of stuff so it's like if you want to answer his book. Anything in there that's something new, bring it to the party. But, you know, we're going to see that he loves Steven Anderson just like, you know, in a different way than we love James White. You know, there's still thin, some things here and there that I definitely will say I disagree um, with James White on some issues. But I love the guy and he's one of my what I'd call my Internet mentor, I guess, <laughs> and a friend from his books and stuff. He's he's uh, in my library. So therefore, he's a part of my community. Um, but then he's also utilizing this, like he wants to tell you about Steve Anderson, he wants to tell you about this, but this is totally irrelevant to the King James debate. It does nothing. Because yeah, it's just telling you, okay, well, that's cool. And I think it's really awesome that if you can give a, say, in, so, in our case, a Nesley Allen 28 edition, if you take that over to Cyprus, they can read it. And yeah. they can understand hey, that's it. Great. And that is stinking awesome. But that doesn't prove anything about the King James itself. No, not at all. If they can read that, then they can also read the Nesley Allen, right? Yeah. Yeah.
Koine Greek and understand it. Dane jo Pastor Johansson was actually able to order his meal in Koine Greek, and the waitress understood him. Uh, but while they were over there, they also uh, spoke uh, to these Greek youths in what the, the so-called Greek scholars call the Erasmian pronunciations, which is a bunch of hogwash. John 3.16 says... Ούτω γάρ, η γάπησε ο Θεός τον κόσμον, ώστε τον ιόν αυτού τον μονογενή έδωκεν. Ή να πάσω πιστεύω σε αυτόν, μη απόλυτε, αλλά έχει ζωήν, αιώνιον. For God so loved the world, that he gave his unique or one and only son, Hena pas ha pistion eis autan me apoletai al eke zoein aionion. Well, here's the thing, though, and again, if you've taken a Greek class, right, or you've sat in in lectures, right, and then again, that's kind of where I am, what we know about Koine Greek is that we don't actually know the exact pronunciations, right? Yeah. And so, yes, there's a lot of similarities. Like, that. that's a reality. That's yeah. not a, you know, Sonny Hernandez, we were visiting with him. Like, when he debated um, Dr. Michael Brown, mm. right? He, he's read a lot. And if you've talked to him, we've talked to him oh, before. Yeah. And, like, he'll just straight up just start reading it, right? There are, again, and I, I'm not any type of expert, there are definitely differences. There's definitely differences in the way that things are pronounced. That's not an exaggeration. Again, that language, it has changed as language changes over time. And yeah. so, a person could speak Elizabethan English, and we could probably understand most of what they're saying. And we could probably even get to the meaning that Stephen Anderson was trying to bring out. Like, do you understand what that means? And they would say, yeah, even though it what, might not be the language they speak, and it would be more clear if they had something closer to what they speak now. Uh, so, then, again, this is just a going down the rabbit again, trail. Yeah, I, I, I just want to state, yeah. yeah. So what? That you can speak an ancient language. Again, it is a form of Greek. It was Koine is modern Greek, essentially, it yeah. is what Mounts writes about in his textbook, right? Yeah. He says it was the common man's Greek. It was the, the language of the day that people did business in in the Roman Empire. That's different than the way things have transacted now, if you go over to Greece. Again, it's just like, and I think the best way to do it is say, you can speak Elizabethan English, and we can understand you. It would sound odd, it would be different, but we can understand you. So, Error. James White, the so-called Greek expert, uh, trying to speak Greek, uh, literally sounds like a California Valley girl uh, reading a Mexican restaurant menu. Chimichangas. So, ad hominem valley fallacy there. Burritos, uh, 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 chili rolenos. I mean, he doesn't speak Greek. He's not a Greek expert. They've been sold. Now, that is so exceptionally yeah. wrong. Uh, I will tell you right now, at Golden Gate Seminary, Dr. James White did speak Greek. And then what they did, and if you ever listen to him talk about it, one of the best things he said they did was after he taught all these students Koine Greek and how to read it and understand it for two, three years, they had a class where they looked at ancient writings in Greek among Christian scholars, among Christian uh, fathers, founding, you know, Christian fathers, they would look at their literature, such as Athanasius, such as St. John of the Cross, such as, um, again, um, Irenaeus, um, uh, Josephus, right? And so that was an important element. So this is, again, just an ad hominem. Yeah. And it taints the debate it, uh, oh, overall, yeah. like, oh, yeah. serious. 
Koine Greek is a dead language that you cannot speak it. And you have these so-called experts that cannot answer the most basic questions about Greek words, that they don't speak Greek. I mean, uh, the King James translators were debaters in Greek, fluent speakers of Greek. You know, so we're able to stand on theirs, and it's an easy plea, even from object to objective observers. Let's just have a moratorium on new Bible perversions and fake Greek scholarship. Amen? Fake Greek scholarship. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. I said this before. If you have Bible Logos, you have more information than any of the 53 scholars put together had at their fingertips. I am not opposed to anyone learning Koine. I've done the best I can to be, be an effective student. But here's what I would tell you. You are going to have an ability to understand, comprehend, and engage lexicons, lexical sources, and have a better understanding of what the language means in its particular context mapped out than the scholars did. And why do I say that? Because, as noted in the debate, you had on the, on the translation committee for the King James Version of the Bible, you did not have a completely agreed upon manner in which they would translate words. And you see that in the mistranslation of murder and mm -hmm. kill. And again, I don't read Hebrew because that was a Hebrew change, right? We talked about yeah, that in he, the debate. Uh, goes here to because he, he kind of flashes only begotten whenever James White says unique son of God, which the, the underlying Greek is, which I know... Steven Anderson, and I'm sure he hates whenever you hear the word, let's go back to the Greek, but whenever you actually go back to the Greek, which, what did the translators use to make the KJV? They were using the Greek. They went back to the Greek, so sorry. Um, it's Menegenes Theos, the unique son of God. So how did they, back in that time of King James, how did they want to portray that? Only begotten. Um, we can say now in our language, the vernacular today, the unique son of God, isn't he the unique son of God? Yes, he's the unique one. So, oh yeah, we're good on the Okay, good. So anyway, so I mean, like you haven't really made an argument. You're just, again, aesthetically doing something like the word in the Greek means this. You like it better that it says this over, over against like saying unique, like unique, unique means something. So anyway. Uh, but also, one of the things you learn about debates, uh, for one thing, I mean, I just have to be humble here. I wish I would have written out my opening and closing statement word for word. Th there's a problem there. I I'm going to state, yeah. like right there, that demonstrates a lack of preparation. And this is where yeah. fundamentally, and, and Adam and I have had this conversation, and I want to point this out very clearly. One of the things that I shared with Travis before the debate was, I said, I'm going to be surprised if he has a written out statement and has it organized. Here's the problem. Brother Rager did not ever affirm the King James Version of the Bible as the Word of God in his opening statement. In his first constructive, he was to affirm the King James Version yeah, of the Bible. He played, and we had basically, what we had running was two negative cases. And that sure made things up. In debate yeah. proper, that made things exceptionally easier for Travis in one way, but in another way it was, how do I follow his arguments? Like, there was no organizational flow. And just from, again, a very debate proper formula when it comes to when you do lay out a debate from a stylistic manner doc uh, mr rager really jacked up because he did not have a set of arguments he just basically was shooting and by shooting i mean just throwing it out there right at the beginning and attacking 
again, he would be attacking the critical text and the uh, eclectic text. Yeah, and I like uh, what Travis says here in the comic box, that he can't find any support for the claim that any of the translators commonly debated in Greek. Okay, so I would actually state real quick that um, it would have been very likely, right, um, that most individuals who are in seminary actually did have okay. to debate in those One languages. Yeah. yeah, and and I would actually cite James White in that. Mm. Uh, I've heard him say that, so that'd be actually yeah. my source for saying that. But no, they were exceptionally fluent. But again, I would also note the King James controversy notes that they were actually more fluent in Latin because that would have been the language of the day. So that would have been a not even a secondary language. It would have been like if you are going to seminary, you're going to get your PhD, right? Mm -hmm. You have to take classes in either French because reformers wrote in French or German because Germans wrote in French. Now you have to have studied those languages. Now, do you have to have the level of fluency and competency that they would have had as far as to debate in that? No, but again, that doesn't prove anything about yeah. how the King James Version is the yeah. Word of God. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound silly. You can attack Greek manuscripts all you want, but I'm asking you to put forward, to prove. Travis stated it so well. The burden of proof was on Mr. Rager. He never embraced the burden of proof and never made his case. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was nothing. It was just all attack against the critical versions for, or the... The, the critical text issue and the critical versions from the very outset. He just, and then all he did was just go, the Bible is the word of God, therefore it's the word of God. Yeah. Now, we would say, well, yes, it is the word of God. We must presuppose God's existence even makes sense of the logic and everything that we can put forward a case. Um, but, and we agree, we agree that God's word has been preserved. Like, and like this, the question that I asked him was like, so can God preserve his word in an eclectic text? He never answered. And I said, well, and the, other than, well, you know, people had to figure this out. And I'm like, well, so God can preserve his word through giving people the Holy Spirit to discern what is, what is the Bible contents and what is not. Travis and then all he was, all he answered in that was, well, I'm just going to chalk it up to the sales of the KJV. Yeah. That's and, the amount of argumentation that we got. And here was another thing that I think was really important, and I think Travis just did an outstanding, outstanding job on this. And mm -hmm. I, I mean that very sincerely. Mr. Rager tried to say, well, we can't find the Word of God anywhere. We don't even know where the Word of God is. And Travis made the argument that I believe every 1978 Chicago statement an errantist mm -hmm. would make. The Word of God has been preserved in the text. We have the Word of God. Yeah. Yes, it was inerrant in the in the autographs. Yes. Certainly, we do not claim inerrancy over copies. Yes. We claim, but God preserved the inerrant text in His Word. And again, He used the great Bruce, uh, not Bruce Messenger, uh, Daniel Wallace statement. And when Daniel Wallace debates Bart Ehrman, he says that it's like we have a thousand-piece puzzle with a thousand and ten pieces. We don't have less, and that's a really important thing. Uh, Alexander says, during the debate, Nathan referenced the study was done uh, at ETS by Greek professors who had, who had a specific way of teaching Greek and immersive format. The professor handed out a Greek test containing very basic words in Greek and 
The punchline is that many of these professors and New Testament scholars who taught Greek didn't know them because those words aren't, for most part, found in the New Testament. Stephen Anderson and other KJV onlyists run away with this and conclude that modern Greek scholars don't really know Greek because they can't converse in modern Greek language with Greek. Dude, outstanding. Uh, I'm glad. Thank you, and Alexander. by the way, Alexander, we have really enjoyed uh, getting to interact with you, dude. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. Uh, he's a student at um, Southern Seminary, finishing up his MDiv, has his bachelor's degree. Him and his wife have their bachelor's degrees from BBC. So we've yeah. got a connection with him, and we are going to reach out to him to uh, get some topics to yeah, get him come on the show. Awesome. And we're privileged and honored that he's following us yeah. as a student at seminary. So, yeah, cool. Flipping back and forth between bullet points and notes. Uh, and also, uh, there's a certain disadvantage uh, to a debate because you don't have the ability to fact check the other person in live time. You know, so you're going to have the advantage when you watch this uh, debate. That yeah, I but, did but, 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 but Brother Rager, that's why you debate, then you go back and you fact check. Yeah. Right. That, and here's the, the thing. The purpose of debate is to put it out there publicly so in front of an audience so then the audience can hear both sides. And then what? What, what did the Breens do with Paul? They, they even fact-check Paul after the fact. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, so it's not a drawback to the debate. What that does is it produces community. Yeah. Agreed. Especially in this situation where we're calling each other brother in Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the triune God, um, that he has spoken and revealed himself, that he preserved his word. And so what we're doing here is we've got this you know, inside house debate that we can have because we have the same presuppositions to start off with. We can have this and build community so that we can come together and go, we can know God's word. God's word is in here and we can listen to this. We can believe it. And so, no, that's not a drag back to the debate. The, the thing is, is you are still trying to clear yourself from any sort of thing that if anybody says, you didn't do a good job at this. You didn't do a good job at that. That was bad. That was bad. You can just be like, well, you know, you can't really prepare it. Like, you're just trying to brush it off and, and get rid of all these uh, accusations because of the, And so if you want to debate James White, if that's one of your main things is what you really want to do, um, you got to lose this attitude. And we're just trying to help you out. you got to lose this, I can't prepare. Because if you can't prepare for debate, if this is your attitude toward debate, Please don't be asking to debate a man like James White. So, checking, uh, and in fact, the King James was never changed. It was only standardized for fonts, spelling, punctuation, uh, and also uh, Virginia Mollencott disputed the claims of the NIV uh, translation. Wait a second, was removed. She it was changed, mm -hmm. so they modified the Word of God. They did. There's a problem. Oh with no, that. are they going back or forwards? There you go. Yeah. That's the problem. Now, again, yeah. I want to be very clear. One of the things we talk about is there was not a standardized spelling when Luke wrote the book of Acts, right? Like, yeah. that's that's an honest statement. There was not a standardized spelling, right? So, it would be fallacious for us to import the concept of a standardized spelling. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. When the King James is translated right and the translators go back and they change the spelling that is to admit error right yeah. that is different than saying that the autographs are inerrant mm -hmm. and there was not a standardized spelling does that make sense yeah but here's the other thing and again we've i think we've touched on this a little bit the apocrypha was still there 
How is the Word of God still there? How is the Word of God perfect and preserved? And it doesn't exist until about 1880 as the Word of God. Yeah, and so basically any English-speaking person did not have the Word of God until Blaney comes out, whichever version is supposed to be the authoritative one. Um, and that's a sad, sad thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. we didn't really have it. You know, you couldn't really know. Um, so inerrancy reigned until the 1600s in English anyway. So the English were totally kicked out of that. So, but, you know, the, the next question is coming, okay, which one? And in the other language is the, the authoritative in, the, in, in that area. So, I mean, this is just, an, we've seen the absurdity and he's not bringing anything again forward to provide his position. She pointed out that she's still a tribute contributor and that also uh, Martin Woodstra, uh, this interestingly enough, was a practicing homosexual and he was the head of the NIV's Old Testament Translating Committee. Again, so that does nothing to prove that the yeah. King James Version of the Bible is the Word of God. Yeah. Again, it's a negative case. He's never going, well, because of this, well, and this is what Travis makes, you know, he makes... Uh, Thing, like, well, you know that there was probably a romantic homosexual relationship in the process of this, too. So, again, we what we have here in that instance is the devil made me do it. God, the woman that you gave me, um, made me do it. Yeah. But you're not progressing anything. You're not putting forth, here's the manuscript edition, the Byzantine text that is underneath the TR, here's why. It is superior to any Alexandrian text, Syriac, whatever. Um, but then you can't do that because you got to understand that the Byzantine text started out as eclectic anyway, and that in the patristic sources, you have an eclectic text represented in quotations um, from earlier than the Byzantine text type can be called claimed to be around. So um, that that could have been enough for me to understand. <laughs> if you wanted to provide a case, is understanding why the Byzantine text type would be the, the superior text type. Out of my hands, all over the NIV, you just have to put that garbage aside. And, uh, you know, other than that, I feel like Travis really got the best of me on style points, but I know that I was standing on a sure foundation, which is the preserved, perfect, inerrant word of God, the King James Bible in English. So I was able to win the debate because God won it for me. And all I have to say is just make sure you're watching the video and you look at the screen because there's going to be cutaways to fact check uh, documents and briefings. So that's where I want to like, okay. This is where we can sort of end on, end yeah, on yeah. a high note. Tonight. There's essentially one fact check. He comments on the 400 changed words. Yeah. That's a problem though. 400 changed words. There were words that were changed. Here's the issue. And one of the things that Rager put forward is he goes, well, they had 5,000 manuscripts. False. No. They had seven printed bound editions. Yeah, because so this would actually be against your own position because in that spectrum, you have people going, the Bible says your word is like gold refined in a fire seven times. And they use that verse for what these seven sources that went into it you didn't have 5,000 manuscripts so that's again like uh, I think uh, Travis pointed out you know that is simply not true and so you know he needs to provide these 5,000 manuscripts that we don't know the yeah so all right we are probably at a pretty good 
ending place. Yeah, let me take care of some business. Yeah, we, so we will I will state a few things. So, uh, John Hillsbury did win our book. Uh, again, the book that we are giving away is the Show Me Why, which was the book that Adam and I were part of the publication of last year. It's uh, Thoughts from Missouri Baptist on Defending the Christian Faith. Adam and I have a chapter in there as well as all the rest of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network team. So here's the thing. We are excited to announce our debates coming up here in the future. We're really sorry about the debate that we had planned for in October. I'm going to work a little harder about trying to, again, update that. But here's what I do want to say. If you have questions specifically on the debate for Travis, I know that he'd be more than happy to answer them. And you can just send him a message through Facebook. You can see him on the live feed page there. And we will have Travis again on in the future. Uh, we hopefully will be able to get some type of debate again with uh, Brother Rager. And we appreciated yeah. him. We just feel like some of the way he dealt with this was, uh, in my mind, just not effective. Yeah. So, so anyway, let's uh, get to, we've got uh, two more books to give away. The YouTube winner gotcha. is my main man, happened to be him, Sean Callery. So I will be delivering that to you Sunday morning. And John, if you will be sure to message me your contact information, I will make sure you get a copy of the book. So, yeah. with that said, be watching for the next set of promotional things we will yeah. be giving away in that. Uh, oh, what do you got? Invasion of the Word Snatchers. Invasion of the Word Snatchers, which again has a section on Freemasonry and the words that they steal and the definition of those words. So it's a very uh, good starting resource to get your hands on before the debate. But anyway, that is the next debate. Um, I've got some case stuff that uh, Dave and I are going to work on together a little bit, and uh, I'm going to get with some other folks on that issue too. Um, but yeah, it'll be September 30th um, here right on the podcast. Um, Freemasonry is a consistent with Christianity, so I'll be negating that. And uh, so just pray for me as I, as I um, prepare that case. Uh, pray for my opponent because he's a... Baptist, he's in, he's in the American Baptist Association, but, you know, we're two Christians that are coming together um, to debate this issue, and Southern Baptist history, this issue um, came up in 93, so if you want to go look up uh, 93 documents with the Home Missions Board, go ahead. Just prepare yourself um, before getting into this. We had that poll. Yeah, uh, that oh my gosh, up, dude. You know? I, and so, you know, there's some people was that said, crazy. I don't know. <laughs> um, use this time as, you know, this is something that, you know, it hasn't been dealt with in Southern Baptist life since 93. Um, something that I've had to talk about um, already because of me talking about this debate and speaking about uh, Freemasonry already. But, you know, start doing some homework, um, getting your hands on different things um, before the debate so that you're prepared um, so that whenever we get to this recap after the after the debate, you know, it's a we've had a really good uh, community experience with you guys. So. Um, we will not have a show next week. Not next week. But when we come back on the 9th, mm -hmm. I don't even know what we're talking about. No, I'll be another whole year older because I'll be 36 on the 7th. But uh, also next week we will have a podcast. So we won't be, I'll be here, I, I, I might be here live Sunday night um, on the Facebook page uh, from Dave's church uh, talking about community Oh yeah, groups. that's right. Gosh, but I'm so sorry. I will be uploading that to the podcast thing so you and will we'll have the biblical do what we can to go we will actually go live okay. um from the church okay and so we'll try to do that through we'll do it through first baptist buffalo but we'll share it 
through the podcast. So, okay, yeah, so good, if you're good. in the Springfield, Buffalo, whatever area, and you want to come and talk about and uh, discuss community groups from the perspective of Ephesians um, and the doctrine of the church, um, please come up and enjoy at 6 o'clock at First Baptist Buffalo on Main Street next door to uh, Pizza Hut. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. Yeah, pretty close there. Anyway, so, well, that was fun. I, I'm, yeah. I hope that that was enjoyable for you all. Yeah. Uh, knew that that was going to be a good little piece to do. Uh, go back and check out the debate if you didn't see it last week. All right. All right. Well, with that said, this is the Tag You're It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.